uh, Easter here in, what is it, two weeks? On the third Sunday, I think, um, something like that. But uh, so, um, but I don't, um, and so kind of to, to change gears, you know, I don't know what your week was like, um, and I, I wish we had all afternoon and we could just kind of go around and share your high point and share your low point and just get to know one another. I'm not sure that we can do that because some of you probably have plans this afternoon, but uh, I'll share two things uh, with you. Um, I've been uh, a pastor for over, well, since May of 95, I don't know what the, the math is, over 25 years, and I did something that I've never have done before uh, this week, um, and uh, I went to a prayer summit, and so basically Thursday out in Ohio, um, a bunch of, uh, not just pastors, but pastors and, 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 and just other believers uh, gathered, and basically from 10 o'clock until 4 in the afternoon, we prayed. We spent time praying. We, we did, we paused for lunch, and it was a very good lunch. Um, but I've never been to a conference where we simply pray. There's no expertise. There's no all this other nonsense. We opened up the Bible. We, we read scripture. We prayed scripture. We prayed things that are on our heart. We, we did it together. We broke into small groups. We did all kinds of, you know, we sang songs. Um, and after the first two hours, like, it went like that. It's amazing how when you're not sitting there looking at your clock, um, and so uh, that was a, a very good time of, um, and and part of that, I think we as a church need to grow in the area of prayer. I think a lot of us, we would say, you know, hey, I pray a lot by myself, and that's great, but you can't read the scriptures and just pray by yourself, okay? Praying is a corporate activity as much as it is an individual activity, um, and, and, so, um, and so that was just a, a fun time, and uh, so the other fun thing that I was a first, um, I didn't ask his permission, but uh, our first son, Caleb, we went to visit our first college, and so, uh, um, so that was a lot of fun as well. And uh, so if you have your uh, Bible, open up in your Bible to what book? Nope. Ephesians. Turn to the book of Ephesians chapter 2. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 2. We were in Genesis, and we're going to be back in Genesis, but right now we're in Ephesians, so I know I changed things up. So, uh, And so I want to uh, review uh, a little bit. Um, you know, I know some of you were not here last week, and, and some of you were new, and so uh, just kind of, uh, we're kind of in a, 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 a three-week series here leading up uh, to Easter. And uh, so last week, uh, we kind of asked you to, you know, I, I kind of shared myself by example and one of the things just talking about, hey, how are we doing as believers, how are we doing at, at bringing Jesus Christ, the living God of the universe, into our relationships? How are we doing at talking about him? And uh, I shared my experience with that, and uh, I challenged you. And so we had these little cards and asked the question of, hey, in the last three months, in the last year, how many times have you brought Christ into the conversation? And so... Uh, um, and, and, and my follow-up question here this morning is, whether you were here last week or not, how's God stirring in your heart there? Like, as you look at your own walk with Christ, are you, are you looking and saying, you know what, I talk about him enough. I, I, I don't need to talk about him anymore. Or do you look and say, you know what, uh, I'm, I'm reserved sometimes. I, I, I need to bring him into the conversation more. 
And uh, I shared last week that that's where I'm at. You know what? I, I, know, I know all these things, but living it out in the everyday is the challenge and, and bringing and holding uh, Christ up. And so that's kind of what we're um, asking. And uh, we kind of created a, a visual for that, a way for us as a church over the next couple weeks. Um, and uh, so when you walked in, you saw a fish aquarium out there on the, on the wood um, uh, table. And uh, so what is, those of you who are here, what does the fish aquarium represent? Brookville, okay, where we all live. Now, I know some of you live in, like, Michigan, okay, so just going to have to pretend. I, well, I, I said it for you, I, you know. Um, so just, for, again, let it represent where we live. So if we were, we all live in, the, in, in that aquarium, so to speak, okay? And so we're asking you to, when you come into church on, you know, each week, um, and for us as a church to see what are we doing the other 167 hours a week. And so uh, we picked and said, you know, rocks, this is a big rock, don't throw the rocks into the aquarium because it will break, okay? Um, hey, Jim put two rocks in, so that was great. I just, I thought he was going to have to buy Luke a new fish aquarium, but he didn't. So, and so what do the stones represent? What, 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 what are, what are they there for? They represent conversations that where we, where we bring Christ, the person of Christ, either his words, his works, or his person into conversations with people. And so some of you are saying, well, why did you pick rocks? I'm glad you asked. And so uh, let me share uh, this verse uh, with you, 2 Peter. 2 Peter chapter 2, you can just, uh, we'll bring it up here and... and as you come to him, talking here about Jesus Christ, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And so Jesus is the living stone. This is a dead stone. He is the living stone, and the church are, is made up of living stones. That's what we are, too. And so again, so we just picked, um, and this is a real big one. Yeah, most of them are not that big. But, and so if we use all the rocks out there, when you, when you walk in here, you walk through a whole, by a whole bunch of stones. So grab a stone you know, for each, each, God, each Christ conversation that you have during the week. And so each week we get a perspective to see what is God doing in us and through us in the community that we live in. And so there's a second thing that we have out there. We have beans, and what do the beans represent? Not chili. Prayer, okay? Um, prayer. And so God wants us to be on our knees. And he wants to lead us. And so we don't want to just be out there talking about Jesus without being connected to what God's doing. Prayer is the power source. And so it begins with prayer. Otherwise, we end up just doing our own thing. And that's not what God wants. God wants us to be connected with him. And as we're connected with him, we will be his mouthpiece. We will be his hands. We will be his feet. We will represent him 
And so prayer is uh, very important. And so each Sunday when you come in, um, you know, this is just kind of a, a tangible way um, to, to demonstrate how are we doing at talking about Christ, bringing the person. And so I, I kind of shared last week, and I'll say it again. You know, we all love different things, and the things that we love, we have no trouble talking about. We have no trouble talking about our grandkids or our children or our hobby or any of those things. We have no trouble. It just comes out of us. And so I think for us as believers in Christ, if we love Christ more than any and anything, and anyone or anything, then that love for him must come out of us must come out of us. And that we would be willing to be put ourselves on the line. And talking about Christ is a risk. We, we know that. We know that this world will react um, when we bring Christ into the conversation. Okay? And so as we transition here, um, you know, yes, we're, God wants us to make disciples as believers. He, he wants us. And so last week we talked about um, the problem that, that that this world has, that every human being has. And so basically, um, you know, if, if we were to, to, to use it this way, this, this stand um, has three, uh, what do you call these? Three legs. And if one of the legs is broken on this stand, it will fall over. It will not hold up whatever it's supposed to hold up. And so as we talk about the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, there are three legs, that if you don't talk about one of these pieces, then you're not talking about God's gospel. And so last week we talked about the problem. What is the problem? Sin. Sin is. We live in a broken world. The, the, the reason why this world is broken is because we have turned away from God and we want to do our own thing. That's the problem. Not everybody sees that and not everybody agrees with that. <laughs> But that doesn't change the truth. And so don't let people influence you. Don't let people say, you know, well, I don't believe in that. Oh, okay, well then. Okay, you don't believe it, that's fine. God's bigger than that. And so one of the things that, you know, um, that we want to do is really kind of e equip ourselves. How, how, are we, how are we bringing this uh, into the conversation with people? And so as we start, as we talk about the problem of sin, you know, we kind of ran out of time last week, and, and as, we, as we think about sin, I think part of this in our relationships with people, what we need to be doing is be being honest and real and vulnerable. Because the truth is, God had to do some stuff in your own life to when you finally were honest about your sin. When you stopped avoiding it, you stopped, well, I don't like talking about that bad stuff. Or you stopped acting like everything was okay. God had to do a work in you. And so part of, in our conversations with people that we have relationships with, and I'm talking here about your, your family, when you go to the reunion, I'm talking about your coworkers that, 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 that you work with you know, every day. I'm talking about the people that you go to the YMCA with or, or your relationships that you have with people. How can we get into that area of talking about the problem? And you know what? This is the easiest one because... We all know that this world is broken. All you have to do is turn on the news for 22 seconds, and you'll see it. And so that's the on-ramp. That's the on-ramp for us, that we would be, be willing to share, 
how did God open your eye? You know, for me, this, this would be, you know, I, I, I trusted Christ very young. And so one of the things, you know, my sin area, you know, has been the area of self-righteousness. You know, for many years, you know, I, I, I made good godly decisions. You know, I, I, I've never been drunk. What? And so what, what did that do for me? It made me start looking at myself and say, wow, Steve, you're pretty good. I had a righteousness that came from me that God had to break. Because God doesn't want us to have self-righteousness. He wants us to have God-righteousness. And there's a huge difference between the two. Huge difference. Maybe for you, and here's where, you know, for yourself. What foolish decisions have you made? And because you care about the people around you, you're willing to, to appropriately talk about that with people that, that think that their life is okay. I think one of the major areas of sin that, that we see among people is that, that we think we're okay. We don't want to humble ourselves. A friend of my you know, life that um, you know, this individual, no matter what, he, he won't let me pay for lunch. He, he, won't let, he won't receive anything because he wants to do it. And that's great. That's generous. But you know what is behind that? An unwillingness to receive what God has done for him. He's still living in his sin. And he's a moral person. Moral. Because we think about our sin, you know, what are the things that have controlled you? Maybe it's your anger. And you finally come to the poison where you say, you know what? This is being destructive of the people around me. And God, I can't change this. You have to change this. Maybe your work is controlling you. You just want to succeed. You want to be a success. Or maybe it's your integrity. I just want to be known as someone who has integrity. Maybe it's a substance. Alcohol, drugs. And I think part of this is coming to the realness of how did God work in your life for you to allow that sin area to lead you to the cross. To the cross. I think the last example here is Adam and Eve. You know, if they were sitting around the table, what would they be saying? Man, you know what? We just ate a piece of fruit. Well, that's not that bad. Well, it sure made a train wreck, didn't it? Because the issue is never the direct thing. The issue is rebellion from God. God told them what to do, and they, they, they treated him as though he didn't matter. Because that's what sin is. That's what sin is. And so as we, as we open up our lives and share that with the people around us, and again, prayer is key. God, help me to be appropriate 
Help me to make, not make too much out of my sin or to not minimize my sin. Help me to be right on where I need to be as we're in conversation with people. And so the truth is, our sin is great, isn't it? But you know what? There is something greater than our sin. Isn't that good news? That is very good news. And, and last week, you know, we talked about uh, the reality of sin and the reality of hell. Um, but uh, if you have your Bibles, look to, to the next verse. And uh, God never sugarcoats the bad news, uh, but what he does do is he gets into the good news. And so that's what we want to spend more of our time this morning talking about. Look in verse 4. Let me read these couple verses. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Our sin is great, but you know what is greater than our sin? God's mercy. God's mercy. And I think if we're to be honest, sometimes we struggle. We are so fixated on our past and our failures that we are unwilling to let them go to hold on to the mercy and the grace of God. And there's a process in that, and I get that. And so Paul goes on here, and that's what he says, but God, yes, left to ourselves, we do dumb, foolish, idiotic things on a regular basis. And the, the, the blessing here is the but God. But God. And what does he say here? He says that he is rich in mercy. He's not stingy in mercy. He's rich in mercy. Because that's who God is. He's generous. He doesn't hold back. And so, as we read these verses, how in the world do we keep quiet about this? I mean, this is like the, you know, you get the publisher clearinghouse thing in, in the mail, right? And you're like, yeah, no one ever wins that thing. I mean, God's mercy makes publisher clearinghouse look like, like, two cents. God's mercy is unlimited, and it's available not just to the winner, it's available to every single human being, everyone. Staggering, isn't it? And this is the news that we need to be sharing, because it's about a person about a person. So God's mercy, what's it rooted in? He says it, the second part of verse 4, because of his great love. God's mercy flows out of his love. He cares. And I know everyone is in this room. There are times in our life we look and say, God doesn't know. God doesn't care. If he did, if he did and then you, your mind goes off and fills in the blank. It's not true. God cares. 
And God's love and his care is unlike any, any, any other person. He defines it. Look what he says next. Verse 5, even when we were, what does he say? Even when we were dead in our trespasses. You know what that means? It means that when you were rebelling against God, you know what God was doing? God wasn't sitting here saying, little Ray, when are you going to get back on? I'm just, Ray can, he can handle it. It's not what God does. God was showing mercy even when we were rebelling against him. That's how he treats us. And that's what he's saying here. That's what God is like. Even when Jesus Christ was rejected, he came to this earth. He knew exactly what he was getting into. And that's really, how has the whole world seen the kindness of God? It's through the person of Jesus Christ. That's how we see God's kindness. That God was willing to leave the perfection of heaven and walk in this broken world. And did he take shortcuts? Did Jesus take shortcuts? No way. He didn't take any shortcuts. In fact, in order to pay for the wrath of God, it meant that he would have to experience the most, not just the horrific death, but basically what sinful, godless men and women do. He didn't sugarcoat it at all. And he did it publicly. He didn't do it out there somewhere. Well, don't want anybody to see this. No, he did it publicly. Why? Because he wants us to know his mercy and his grace. His mercy and his grace. And you know what? That's what Brookville needs more than anything. That's what this broken world needs. They need Christ. He's the only solution to the problem of sin. That's it. It's surely not politics. I think the last 6,000 years have demonstrated, right? Politics aren't going to solve the, the, the brokenness of our world, right? We know that. Christ is the only solution. And so the, the words here that, that he gives, and, 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 and I stopped at that first part, but this next phrase that he says in verse 5, look with me. Made us alive together with Christ made us alive together with Christ. And so Paul is reminding the church of Ephesus. He's reminding these believers that even though you were born spiritually dead, because of Christ, you have been made alive. Jesus said it that you need to be born again. Another big theological term would be 
You need to be regenerated. Regenerated. Paul said it this way, that anybody who is in Christ is a new creation. A new creation. And so Paul is reminding us believers, if you're here this morning and you're a believer, you have been made alive together with Christ. You can't do that, and I can't do that. Just like none of us in this room did anything about our conception. Your mom and dad did that, but even more than your mom and dad, God was part of it. And so just like physically, you didn't do anything about your physical conception. Spiritually too, how does a dead person, how does a spiritually dead person become alive? Paul's saying it's a gift. This is the spirit of God's work in your life. He does this to you, for you. I don't know what the right pronouns are. Or I'm probably not even using the right things. God does it. See, the verb tense here, and I'm not going to complicate it, but we'll give you the, uh, the... The verb tense is, it's looking back in the past and seeing a snapshot of something that's happened. For example, a picture is an example of that. We're going to bring up a picture here. Every time you look at a picture... Got a picture, Daniel? All right, so we got a... This was a year ago. Anybody know where... Does anybody... What, what, what's this a picture of? It was right after the crosswalk. We did a crosswalk last year, all the teens in the, in the community, whoever wanted to come. And so those who did it, this was the picture. It was a moment in time. Whoosh! We can look back and we see it. I'm sharing it with you. And so that's the tense that Paul is using here. That, that you were made alive in Christ. You're looking back and you remember, oh yeah, I remember when God did that in me. I remember that, that picture. I remember that moment. God changed your life. And you know what? Sometimes emotions are a part of it. Sometimes they're not. Okay, some of you, that moment when you trusted Christ, some of you, it was, maybe it was a very emotional moment. Praise God. But being made alive and the emotions are two separate things. Because you can be made alive and there's no emotions that go along with it. Maybe, maybe not. I, I just, I think sometimes we, we spend so much time talking about our, well, I just felt God. And you know what? There's times I don't feel God at all. That doesn't mean he's not there. Because the truth is, when you've been made alive in Christ, the fruit of that is, all of a sudden, the path of your life changes. That's how you know that you've been born again in Christ. And for me, I was very young. I can still remember it. I don't remember crying or falling down on my chair or saying praise Jesus or anything like that. But you know what I do now? Since the moment of that happened, my heart was changed for Christ. My heart was changed. 
And I hadn't been perfect. But you know what? Getting into the Bible isn't hard because I want to know him. That's the fruit of being made alive in Christ. That he changes your heart. And this is what we get to share with people. And some of it needs to come out of us. Some of us, we... You know, for me, most of the times the way I've shared the gospel, most nine times out of ten, it's been through my testimony. And I don't have one of those testimonies where I did all this sin and Jesus rescued me. I was just as much of a sinner as anybody else. <laughs> I needed just as much grace as Hitler needed or needs or needed. Anybody else? And you too. You need just as much grace from the Lord Jesus Christ as anybody else. It doesn't matter your quantity of sin. The issue is one sin. You're not holy anymore. And so for us, I think it's, we have good news. And, and, and I just hit on two of the verses. I mean, he goes on here and, and, you know, mercy is kind of looking back. You know, God didn't give us hell even though we deserved it. But what God, what did God give us? And that's what he's saying here. He, he's saying that, you know what? The best is yet to come. Do you know that, church? The best is yet to come. And I know we live in a hard world. I know it's difficult. I know there's discouragement and there's there's diseases and pain and suffering, and that's why we gather together to say, you know what? This isn't it. Get our, get our focus on the end. And Paul shares those words here. Look, look what he said. Look what the best yet to come. By grace you have been saved, and he raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly place in Christ. If you know Christ is your Savior, your salvation is good as done. It's as though you're sitting next to Christ, even though you're not there yet, but it's the, the promise is made. You are there. You were there. That gives us great confidence to know who we are. And he goes on. So that in the coming ages, look at verse 7. Look along with me. So that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. If you have any doubt of what God is like, I think it's pretty clear in these couple verses. God is generous, he is merciful, and he is gracious. Grace means that he didn't just give us what we didn't deserve, he has lavished gift upon gift on us. And that's what he's saying here. The best is yet to come. The truth of God's kindness, we haven't even seen it yet. I mean, we've seen a little bit of it, but the best is yet to come. That gives us great hope. And that's what we need to be talking about. It's what our coworkers need to hear. And again, I, I, I get it. Like, I, I know that that's why prayer is key. God, I don't know what you're doing in that person's life, but I'm willing to do whatever you want me to do today to hold Jesus Christ up, unapologetic. So we need to be busy. We need to be praying for open doors. We need to be, all right, God, you know, hopefully the way you drive to work every day should be different. 
the way you go to the grocery store should be different. Conversation around your dinner table as a family of believers should be different. As we're approaching Easter, we have the answer. We have the answer if we're willing to share that. I'm going to ask Matt to come on up, and uh, we're going to sing uh, several songs here. And so again, the challenge here is not to hear a good sermon.